Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast. We are the one and only podcast about shoe culture, shoe history, everything shoes, everything kicks, um, interesting stories, everything about shoes. We thank all of you listeners for tuning in. We appreciate every single one of you. And today we have a an especially special treat for all of you, and it should be absolutely riveting because we are going to talk about everything you ever wanted to know about shoe trees. But wait before you turn us off, hear us out, because we're not talking about the wooden shoe trees that you put in your shoes to help them keep their shape. We are talking about actual trees that are loaded with hundreds, sometimes thousands of shoes. And these are trees that can be found probably close to wherever you're listening. These trees are found in the middle of cities. Some shoe trees are found in the middle of nowhere. There's scores of them all throughout the United States and Canada and even all over the world. And shoe trees, while they seem like a very strange tradition, it's something that's common enough where you're able to find endless fascinating information all over the internet about these innumerable shoe trees. Um, each of which has a unique background or story, urban legends, myths associated with the sh- with the trees, and a lot of these trees also have really unique and interesting um, physical appearances as well. RoadsideAmerica.com has a somewhat tongue-in-cheek description about shoe trees, and that description goes as such: Shoe trees may be the greatest embodiment of the American spirit you can find on the highway, free of admission charge anyway. While cultural anthropologists trumpet the aggregated populist statement of the gum wall or the gob rock, we believe shoe trees soar to greater heights. A shoe tree starts with one dreamer tossing his or her footwear of old high into the sky to catch on an out-of-reach branch. It usually ends there unseen and neglected by others, but on rare occasions... The first pair of shoes triggers a shoe-tossing cascade. Soon, teens are gathering up their old Adidas and Sauconies. Families are driving out after church with Dad's Reeboks and Grandma's Keds. Many inscribe messages on the sneakers in permanent marker. Greetings, love poems, and life accomplishments. So throughout the continental United States, there are easily at least 50 documented shoe trees with many more likely undocumented. And there are many that have blown over, been chopped down, and burned. Be sure to check out a list of where these shoe trees are in the episode notes on ImmortalSoulsPodcast.com. Why such a weird tradition? Shoe tossing, also known as shoe feedy, is the act of throwing a pair of shoes onto trees, fences, telephone wires, power lines, signs, or just about anywhere else someone can get a laced-up pair of shoes stuck. There are literally countless theories as to why people toss their shoes up onto trees or power lines. Some believe the habit of tossing pairs of shoes into trees, or in some cases on overhead wires, started with members of the military. 
who are said to have thrown military boots, often painted orange or some other conspicuous color, at overhead wires as a part of a rite of passage upon completing basic training or on leaving the service. Obviously, we as humans, we always love a good story. We always love the sensational and all of that. And so, um, as you can imagine, many shoe-tossing theories center around criminal activity as well. Also important to note that even though many say this idea of um, shoe-tossing shoes on wires is associated with criminal activity, usually, like the saying goes, there is some truth to be found in legend or myth, or that's where legends or myths start, is from a kernel of truth. Um, So many urban legends say that shoes hanging on a wire represent the location where... um, sometimes where a gang murder or some sort of a hit took place. Other legends say that in urban areas, dangling shoes can serve to signal that a drug dealer is nearby or that one can purchase drugs in that area. Now, what's really interesting is a lot of people would say that this is false. Um, One place that I looked at online, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Robert Aspolm, who he's a social worker He's a childhood shoe tosser himself, and the time this article was written just uh, three, four years ago, he's a doctoral student at the University of Illinois, Chicago, who at the time was working on a dissertation on African-American gang dynamics in Chicago. And in this article, he said, speaking of the shoe tossing, he says, to me, it's like an urban legend, especially the drug spot thing. He was highly skeptical of the drug theory because, as Mr. Asphalm put it, no one's going to put what they're doing out there in that type of way to set themselves up to be arrested. And that kind of makes sense to me. I mean, if uh, the police or whatever, you know, if people are on to the fact that that's where you signal or the way that you signal that drugs are available is by putting shoes up on a wire, that people are going to catch on to that really quick and the, the gig is up. And strangely enough, the city of Chicago actually keeps track of how many pairs of shoes get hauled over electric or telephone wires. This There's a study that showed that over the over seven years, over the span of seven years, um, since 2010, city workers received at least no fewer than 6,000 requests to remove shoes hanging from telephone or electrical wires. While obviously some people say that the whole drug thing is more of a myth, um, what's interesting is that in Los Angeles, in a 2003 newsletter, from the now former mayor of Los Angeles, James Hahn. Uh, mayor Hahn cited fears in this newsletter of that many Los Angeles residents had that shoes hanging on wires indicate sites at which drugs are sold or worse yet, gang turf. And that's a quote from that newsletter. And he actually launched together with the city and utility employees an entire program to have shoes removed throughout the Los Angeles area because of the concerns that it was causing for some people. Do you, I don't know if you remember the episode of Better Call Saul. Oh, I where... absolutely do. In fact, it's kind of funny when we first started, you know, thinking about this topic that we would do for this particular podcast episode. Honestly, one of the first things that came to mind for me was this episode of Better Call Saul. Um, So I I think it perfectly describes what you've just been talking about, you know, just kind of uh, the criminal implications or undertones that could accompany seeing a pair of shoes dangling from telephone wires. 
right? Well, and, and the episode that uh, you're talking about, of course, is the episode that's uh, called Sunk Koss. And I think in that episode, if I remember right, um, the way that the dangling shoes play into it is that our good buddy, Mike, who at this point in time, what, he's working for Gus Fring? Is that Mike right? Mike Ehrmantraut, yeah. Mike Ehrmantraut, yes. So he's he's employed by Gus, of course, and they're trying to get rid of the competition um, in terms of drug dealing. So at the time, Gus's main competition is uh, the guy we know, Hector Salamanca. Right, the, the Salamanca gang. Yeah, I right. think you're right. Um, so then what, yeah. If I remember correctly, it, it was, and I, I don't want to spoil, you know, the episode. I, I thought it was actually a pretty clever uh, scene there in that particular episode. But long story short, Mike kind of had this elaborate plan to basically get one of the Salamanca, uh, you know, drug running trucks caught at customs, you know, and so I'll, I'll let you guys watch that episode to see how that plays out. But part of part of this uh, this big plan that Mike set up was dangling those shoes on the telephone wire. Shoes, drugs, trucks, Better Call Saul. You should go check it out. Absolutely. Sure, if you haven't seen it already. <laughs> now, take all this information as you will, but I suspect... Many occurrences of shoes hanging on wires usually have less criminal backstories. Most sources actually cite that the main reason for dangling shoes on high wires as recreational or trivial purposes, uh, such as a prank played by bullies. So say, for example, a bully steals a pair of shoes and puts them in a place where they're unlikely to be retrieved. Throne shoes might also symbolize local culture or traditions of some sort, including insults. Or in some cultures, shoes are flung to commemorate the end of a school year or a forthcoming marriage as a part of a rite of passage. In some neighborhoods, shoes are tied together and hanging from power lines or tree branches to signify that somebody has died. The shoes typically will belong to the dead person. Now, the reason why they're hanging, legend has it, is that when the dead person's spirit returns, it will walk that high, it'll walk that high above the ground you know, just that much closer to heaven. Now, another superstition holds that the tossing of shoes over the power lines outside of a house is a way to keep the property safe from ghosts. So that's kind of interesting. Two two competing theories here. You know, one is that it's thought to attract the, the deceased, and another theory is that it's thought to repel or to keep away uh, the deceased. Now, yet another legend suggests that shoes hanging from telephone wires signal that somebody is leaving the neighborhood onto bigger and better things. Well, other people, they just say that shoe flinging is a way to get rid of shoes that are no longer wanted and that are uncomfortable, or maybe they don't fit. So it may also be another manifestation of the human instinct to leave their mark on and decorate their surroundings. Now, this brings us to shoe trees, which is kind of the main topic of our episode today. Shoe trees have been around for at least a hundred years. In areas throughout the world, there are trees adorned with hanging shoes. Some of these trees hold only one pair of shoes, while others hold literally hundreds of pairs of shoes, such as the Great Beaver Shoe Tree of Beaver, Arkansas, before it fell over in 2000. While there are no official hanging shoe organizations or resources that substantiate the reasons behind or purposes of hanging shoes and trees, there are many speculations as to why it happens. 
Each shoe tree has a unique origin story, and here's one as told from a 2015 edition of the Toronto Sun newspaper. And I will just kind of uh, paraphrase and quote this article. For Bruce Saracen of Virginia, a hamlet 90 kilometers north of Toronto, a shoe tree on Lake Ridge Road south of Beaverton has special significance. My late older brother George started it in the early 1990s. He put a pair of work boots there that he didn't need anymore in case somebody else could use them. Saracen said that the habit was passed down from their mom, Phyllis, who grew up in Kirkland Lake during the Depression. She was from a family with 14 kids, he said. Times were tough. Shoes were put in a tree so that if somebody needed them, you could just take them. Saracen, 54, has used that tree on Lake Ridge himself over the years. After his first son, Stephen, was born in 1991, Saracen hung his baby shoes on the tree. As everyone knows who's ever had a newborn, they go through shoes fast. When my son outgrew his first pair, I figured somebody else could use them. Saracen repeated the process when his daughter, Cherelle, and second son, Cody, were born. People were obviously using them, he said of the shoes he put on the tree. It was kind of a way to pay it forward in those days. It warms your heart thinking that you're helping somebody. Today, the shoe tree is obviously covered with shoes. Now, not every pair that winds up in the tree is reused. The tree has suffered some damage because of the weight of all the shoes on the branches. In fact, a few years ago, a branch broke and now another tree across the road has started to take shape. Just from from some of the research that I did, I, I kept on being directed back to shoe tree stories from Michigan. It, it looks like Michigan has quite a long history with shoe trees. Uh, it's from here that we see many detailed and colorful origin stories about these trees and accounts that have a slightly more maybe creepy or sinister tone than the origin story that, that Jared just shared. There is a uh, very interesting website. Uh, it's called michigansotherside.com. And on this website, they share some very unique uh, shoe tree origin stories. A shoe tree and, and the myths and legends around them, I mean, especially these creepy ones, in my opinion, it really is pure, it's urban legend at its finest. Um, because really, there's nothing scary or inherently evil about shoes hanging in a tree. Um, you know, they obviously look kind of creepy, but I mean, let's be real, it's, it's a tree and there's shoes. However, um, listen to a couple of these accounts. So I'm going to share one. Let's see. So there's a, a reader on this Michigan's Other Side website that submitted a story. And I'm going to go ahead and read this and take this for what you will. And it says, when I was in high school from 1990 to 94, we always heard of a shoe tree on Eight Mile Road west of Beck in Northville. So... One Friday night, I drove in one car and a friend drove another with three passengers in each to see if this was true. Our story went like this. There was a crazy man who lived in a house with a big yellow smiley face on the garage door. If you went past his house and the door was shut, it was said that he was killing someone in the garage. 
If the door was open, he was looking for someone to kill. Then he threw the shoes up in the shoe tree, which was on Eight Mile Road. The road itself at the time was very narrow and dirt. The trees overhung and at night looked very scary. We went that Friday night looking first for the house and found no garage door with a smiley face, although some people's garage doors were open. We continued on Eight Mile Road and came across the shoe tree. There were hundreds of shoes in the tree, which wilted severely over the road due to the weight. We thought it was cool, so we continued driving on the road. About a mile later, we saw a garage door with a smiley face on it. I remember saying, there it is, and the girls in the back seat started screaming. I stopped the car to let the other car know, as the garage was set back a ways. They all got out to look. We thought it was cool and decided to go home, as many of the girls in the car were scared. We continued driving west on 8 Mile looking for a road to turn around on, but never came across one. So I decided to turn around in a long dirt driveway. I drove about 100 feet back, stopped the car, and put it in reverse to turn around. Just then, we saw huge spotlights turn on from behind the house of the driveway we were in, and they started moving towards us fast. My friend in the car behind turned around fast, but I had to wait for him to drive away before I could turn around. I finally turned around, and those bright lights were right on us. It was two big trucks with spotlights on the top of the hood. My friend turned one way out of the driveway, and I turned the other. The two trucks both split as well, so one was following each of us. I had a little Ford Escort, and my friend had a Taurus SHO, and he got away fast, although the truck chased him for about 15 miles. The truck chasing us eventually caught up with us after going through a red light and cut us off. A large man got out of the car and came up to my window and tapped on it with a flashlight. What are you guys doing in our driveway? Nothing. We were just lost and looking for a place to turn around and thought that was a road. Then the man looked at each person in the car. Don't ever come back there again. No problem. It was two hours later that we finally met up with the other car and we both told our stories. We never went back there again. I thought that was a really interesting story which is just kind of reminiscent of a lot of the shoe tree stories that you see in, in Michigan. One other quick thing. There are a few legends that are floating around in Michigan about shoe trees. And one also, it's around an area called Wald Lake. And the way that this legend goes is that in this area of Wald Lake around the early 1900s, there was an obviously sick and twisted man who began murdering kids and as he after he would dispose of the bodies uh, he would throw their shoes up into the branches of a tree and eventually the man was caught and people found his tree ornamented with the dangling shoes of of the deceased children supposedly this legend sprang forth from a pair of antique children's shoes found in a tree in the area and at some point, the story became entangled with a well-known story in the Michigan area about the Wald Lake child killer, who is a murderous guy, a serial killer who also never existed. 
But what did exist from all of this, from amongst all of these urban legends and myths, was the Oakland County child killer, who from 1976 through 1977 was responsible for the abduction and murder of, of four children. And the killer has never been found to this day. And so the common belief is that these stories about these shoe trees that have children's shoes and they happen to be in roughly the same area as where these uncaught serial killers were active, it's understandable that some of these stories begin to mix. Um, And then pretty soon the shoe trees become the symbol of of these serial killers and their crimes. And just one last quick thing that was just super interesting to me is that in response to this whole story about the Wald Lake child killer and his shoe tree, um, there was actually a statement put out in 2005 by the Wald Lake, and pardon me if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but um, the Wald Lake Public Library, who on their website, they'd gotten so many inquiries at the library about the the shoe tree at Wald Lake and the story associated with it and the mythical Wald Lake child killer Um, that they issued this statement, which reads, and this is a quote, stories about shoe trees abound throughout the land. And thanks to the internet, one particular shoe tree yarn has taken root in Wald Lake. Several people have come to the library seeking more information about the Wald Lake child killer. But thankfully, this shoe tree story is simply not true. It perhaps was inspired by the still unsolved murders of four children that took place in Oakland County over a 13-month period in 1976 through 1977. In those cases, none of the children were from Wald Lake, and the bodies were found in Livonia, Franklin Village, Troy, and Southfield. So just kind of reiterating what I said earlier, um, the Wald Lake Public Library kind of coming out with the official statement to put the kibosh on the um, the whole myth around the Wald Lake child killer, which, you know, they was untrue, as well as the shoe tree in that area being attributed um, to a killer who was non-existent. So, um, but still, you know, even, even if those stories are nothing more than legend, obviously they are super interesting and they're just kind of fun, uh, fun, fireside tales i guess you could say man yeah true or not those are definitely creepy stories while i was doing some research for this episode i actually came across another creepy account of shoe trees that i'll just mention briefly here and this takes place in ontario canada and basically what what happened is so there's this uh, lady who's a photographer from ontario And I'll just kind of read her own account here just for a moment. She said, recently I was driving and, oh, so this, uh, let's see. She, I don't know how long ago this account was written, but um, here, I'll just, let's just go with it here. So she says, I'm a photographer from Ontario, Canada. Recently I was driving on some back roads near Orangeville, Ontario, when I noticed a spot by the side of the road where a bunch of shoes were tied to the trees. I pulled over to inspect it and took these photos. And she actually on this uh, website, she does put a bunch of, you know, the photos of these shoe trees of this shoe forest that she found. They're super creepy. And we will make sure to put a link to this on uh, immortalsoulspodcast.com. Check out our show notes. 
And you can see the link to this story as well as the stories that Nick has been mentioning and some other cool and, and creepy things associated with uh, shoe trees. So anyways, she's driving on some back roads. She sees this mysterious shoe for us. She pulls over. She takes a bunch of pictures. And she said there's literally hundreds of shoes there nailed to the trees, hung on branches, or just placed on the ground at the foot of the trees. I thought maybe this was a memorial, a memorial to someone who had died in a car accident. But it turns out that this shoe forest is a complete mystery. No one knows who put these shoes there or why. And she goes on to explain that the earliest sighting of the shoes in this this forest that she found was back in the spring of 1972. And according to police reports and police records, I guess there's no record of any accidents having occurred at that location. So, you know, the fact that all these shoes just started showing up nailed to these trees or slung on the branches of the trees, it didn't start off as a memorial. It appears that at some point people did create memorials on some of the trees there. Uh, There's also a few plastic skeletons that people have inserted into the shoes or hung alongside the shoes. But it's really hard to know if, you know, it's just a random occurrence or if there's some significance to all of that. I just thought that was kind of creepy. You know, I mean, can you imagine if you're just driving on some back road somewhere and all of a sudden you just see like this grove of trees or this tiny little forest with hundreds or, or thousands of shoes just nailed to the trees or slung on the branches. I, I think that definitely would be a bit disconcerting and, and certainly creepy. Oh, and totally. uh, so I just kind of wanted to share that. I thought that was pretty interesting. And that's basically the end of her story. You know, again, she posts a bunch of pictures and we'll put a link uh, to those pictures for anybody who would like to check those yeah. out. Well, the pictures make you see, like, again, like, I'm firmly of the belief, <laughs> obviously, there's nothing supernatural about shoes and trees. But oh, yeah, no, I, looking, I at the, looking at the pictures, though, I mean, <laughs> the, the look of them just has a, a creepy feel like you can see how, you know, entire people or entire communities, how the imagination would would run wild. And um, it would also serve as inspiration for, for some of these sort of, you know, urban myths or urban legends that stem from these trees. Yeah, I agree with you. I I think most of the occurrences of, you know, all these shoe trees, it's probably uh, closer to the account of, you know, somebody just putting shoes in the trees to pass them along to somebody else that could use them or, or, you know, just some simple reason. I, I doubt for the most part, there's probably much, you know, sinister motivations behind it. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think a huge part of it that, you know, we're not going to dive into it on this episode, but it's definitely worth mentioning because I think it's kind of the big point of all of this, talking about shoe trees or shoe tossing in general. I feel like humans so often just have this need that's built into our DNA to find a unique way to leave their mark on the world in some form or fashion. You're thinking about everything from, you know, initials carved into trees. Yeah, graffiti on walls. Graffiti uh, on walls, you know, massive boulders that people spray paint their names on. It's it's kind of like what you were saying, Nick. Um, it is interesting as a species, and maybe it has to do with the fact that, you know, we as people, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, if you consider how old the earth is, if you consider how long you know, the earth has been around and and how very, very short a human being's lifespan is. It it seems like people definitely have that innate desire or that innate need 
to leave some sort of a permanence on the earth, you know, some sort of a mark that that shows that they were there and, and that that lasts beyond their own lifetime. Whether it be things like, you know, nailing shoes to a tree, whether it be things like spray painting something on a wall or on, on rocks or boulders, whether it be, you know, putting a lock around a bridge or something. I, I believe it's in Paris, you know, there's a bridge or, or, or different places, different bridges around the world that people do that. I, th- I think it is kind of an interesting observation um, of of us as human beings, you know, that maybe just due to the short lifespan that we have, you know, we, we have this, this built in need to put some sort of a permanent mark on the world, you know, that will outlast us and, and to make sure that we aren't, as the song says, just dust in the wind, you know, that, that uh, our, our memory and our legacy will thrive and, and will last and will live on. I agree with that entirely. You know, if you can't, if you can't afford to build a skyscraper with your name on it or build a pyramid, then, you know, throw some shoes up on a tree. <laughs> Definitely the, the next, cheaper option to go. <laughs> the next best thing. No, I, I think, again, not to be repetitive, but at the end of the day, that's kind of what a lot of this boils down to. I think there's a little bit of truth to be found in some of these stories, you know, whether we're talking about for shoes on the wire, you know, maybe there is some truth to the criminal activity side of it. Um, you know, there are a lot of shoe trees again that do have interesting unique you know origin stories but i suspect that it's generally the rule that most of those stories are usually not sinister they're not supernatural it's simply uh, people that had a desire to let everyone know that you know they were there and so kind of thinking about that thinking about you know humans and leaving our mark on the world just want to close out this episode with a brief kernel of knowledge from the great Maya Angelou who said uh, she said people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel all to say if you want to leave a real mark on the world if you want to leave your impression on the world just get out there and be a good person Um, be there for other people and I think if we all try to do that then um, that's how we can really leave a mark that will last forever. So once again, thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review. Check out the show notes on immortalsoulspodcast.com. We'll have loads of information on there, loads of photos, links to these stories, links to these websites that we mentioned. And uh, until next time, signing off. We'll see you soon. 